What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Hey, What You Watching, the weekly podcast where Marcelo Pico and I discuss the films we've been watching. This is episode 41, The Podcast Zone. <laughs> I'm your host, Matt Curione, and with me as usual is... Hey, it's your co-host, Marcelo Pico. How you doing, Matt? Pretty darn good. I just took a nap. Fantastic, and I feel refreshed. This is a special afternoon recording session. I know, we're actually, you know, not recording in the, the middle of the night. And <laughs> not I'm, like I'm thankful for this. Yeah, not like uh, the last few weeks where we've been recording past like 2 a.m. at some points, which is insane. Kill me, please. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, early afternoon recording. And uh, how have you been, Matt? Pretty good? How are you celebrating spooky season? I've been watching nothing but horror, like you're supposed to do. <laughs> I Unlike some other people, purposefully brought this up because yes, I. If it, this is the recurring uh, plot line through these l- next few episodes. Uh, me struggling to see scary movies during. You have you have failed me yet again. Thirty percent of the movies I'm t- gonna, I'm going to discuss this week are scary movies. So yes, out of the three movies you watched, <laughs> one of them was scary. Uh, but hey, in the next week or so, I'm going to be watching a lot of scary movies. Um, uh, Matt, proud you know, of you. I, yeah, um, I'm either going to the Nightmare <laughs> on Elm Street marathon, uh, or I'm going to Dismember the Alamo uh, on Saturday. Either one of those. Oh so. boy. Yeah, and by next week you'll have watched all four Psycho films. Yes, yes, that's right. I have to watch those okay, as well. Good. So um, maybe upwards of spoiler. <laughs> so many, so many horror movies I'll be watching in the next week. So yes, I hope you're happy, Matt. Eh. <laughs> okay, that's eh. enough. That's enough small talk. Uh, I'll believe over. it when I see it. <laughs> segment over. Okay, Matt. Let's do End your list. <laughs> your uh, patented little riddle corner. What are we going to be discussing yes, on the show this week? This is Matt's Riddle Corner, where I give you cryptic clues about what we're watching. All right, uh, we're going to start off talking about some Amy Adams and a spaceship, and then we're going to go to the valley with a bunch of dolls, and then we're going to be talking, <laughs> uh, and then we're going to be talking about a really bad Julianne Moore movie, and then we're going to get raw with some rats, uh, and then we're going to go to a museum with a monster inside of it, and then we're going to talk to talk about a uh, a lady with all the presents. Then we're going to have Christopher Walken read our futures. And then a giant monster is going to attack us. And then a bunch of bees will attack us. And then a really big thing is going to happen. And then Kevin, uh, Kevin Bacon's going to pull us over for speeding. And then Johnny Depp's going to be a vampire. <laughs> and then we're going to look in on a little autopsy. And then we're all going to go to Antarctica and uh, be at each other's throats. And that's what we're discussing on the show this week. I don't know if yes. these are these turn out well or not so well. I think well, right? I mean, we'll see. <laughs> We'll see. <laughs> All right, so that's that out of the way. Two segments down. Let's 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 keep crazy, moving. Crazy, right? Look at us go. Look at us. Look we're, at us achieve. We're almost professionals at this point. Um. So, as with almost. every, as with every uh, episode of this podcast, we have to have a guest. So, Matt, we do. Matt, who's our special guest this week? Uh, our special guest this week is a film critic. You may know him uh, from Nerdist and Thrillist, even Playboy. He's also a producer on uh, a film called Found Footage 3D. Scott Weinberg, ladies and gentlemen. How are you, Scott? I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Scott. It's No it's... problem. I, I I like to do as many podcasts as like, people invite me, and I'm too, uh, um, I'm too neurotic to say no. So then I always have to, like, lock myself down and make sure I'm home. But, no, I love doing movie nerd podcasts. I really enjoy being uh, getting in and, and talking movies with people. Yeah, I've been, uh, been looking forward to this. It's, uh, 
you're a pretty big guest for us. I mean, uh, I know I've been reading your work for years now, and uh, it's fine. Thank it's, you. It's, it's awesome to finally talk to you. Oh, yeah. Well, you guys are my Twitter pals, and you asked me once, and I couldn't do it. And then you asked me again, and I'm like, damn it, I can't keep turning these guys down. I'm just uh-huh. unreliable. Not that I'm all that busy. It's just that I, I forget. <laughs> it's but uh, no, I'm glad we tied it all. I'm glad we tied it all down, and it's good timing too, because I love scary movies, of course. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. this, this is a good, a good, uh, a good season for me. You're one of my go-to writers when I uh, want to look up how uh, if I'm going to like a, a horror film. Thank you. I, I, I'm unfortunately, you know, I had thousands. Uh, oh well, not thousands, but hundreds and hundreds of reviews uh, up on Fearnet. And as we all know, when Fearnet died, those reviews vanished from the website. Uh, so now the, if you want to read my, uh, older reviews, I, I did a compilation. It's on Amazon. It's called modern horrors and it covers uh, 2000 to 2015 with lots and lots and lots and lots of reviews. And, uh, it's pretty cheap too. So there you go. Oh, that's fantastic. There you go. And yeah, Scott, it's great talking to you because you've been, um, a great supporter of my Twitter endeavors because back when I started Die Hard Financial Film Industry, you're you're one of the big names who tweeted out all that stuff, and then I started uh, Tweet Film Society, now Talk Film Society, and you were a big uh, champion of that. So yeah, it, it fi- it's great to finally talk to you. Oh, I I love Twitter. It's my favorite video game. Uh, <laughs> you know, you get to, you know, it's just it, it's not instead of shooting guns or or uh, killing aliens, you're typing and interacting. And so it's, I think it's a, a word-based video game with lots of good players, and I really enjoy it. And so it's, uh, you know, I got lucky that I got in early, and, and I'm, you know, I have more followers probably than I really deserve. So yeah. I'm more than happy to throw out props or pimp or promote uh, smaller sites that are doing good stuff. And I still, to the, I can't imagine why Die Hard is not in the National Film Registry. I know. Damn it. Uh, I mean, I've been. We're I, not going to give up. No, I'm not giving up. I mean, this year was a big resurgence of that campaign. I put out like uh, like ten podcast episodes, put the word out. So I'm waiting for the announcements in December, whether or not it's in or not, and I'm going to keep soldiering on. If it's not, uh, I promise that, folks. I just can't fathom why. I mean, it's literally one of the best American action films ever made. That's inarguable inarguable, undoubtable, you can't argue that Die Hard is one of the best American action films ever made. So, by that measure, it should be on the list. You know, and, and is it, I don't think that the National Film Registry necessarily has a, has a problem with action or genre, because they've proven in the past that they don't, so why is it not why is it not there? I don't know, it's, it's a question I've, I've been asking myself all Oh, it's like for what four yeah. years now? <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> yeah, boggles yeah. my mind. Yeah, but but speaking of, uh, I mentioned podcasts. Uh, Scott, you have a new podcast out, right? I do. Let's just keep plugging stuff. Yay! <laughs> no, uh, quickly. I've um, I have a podcast with my partner Drew McWeeny, uh, who is also a very old school online film critic, about as online old school as you can get. And uh-huh. uh, we what we do is basically each episode covers a month throughout the 1980s so we started in january of 1980 and episode two was february and episode three was march and you guys know how calendars work we're just going from there so we just recorded episode five last night which is empire strikes back friday the 13th and there's lots and lots of big stuff lots of small stuff and it, i think it turned out to be very fun uh, our our producer is the audio genius bobby roberts so he makes you know what's basically two nerds talking and he turns it into a real show. It's just great. I'm um, very, very happy about it. People seem to like it. We're, we're, we're getting some traction, but it's still new. So, you know, we're, we're just going to keep chugging away. 
um, you know, and then hopefully if, uh, if, if people at bigger sites like it, maybe we'll move elsewhere. But right now we're just focused on turning out quality product and then hopefully good things happen after that. Yeah, it, it sounds like a great idea. I have not yet listened to it, but I am going to listen to it. It's called 80s, oh, I'm sorry. It's called 80s All Over. 80, 80s All Over on Twitter. Uh, you can find it on iTunes. And if you're, you know, movie geeks listening to these two movie geeks, you'll definitely enjoy it. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, because it's just Drew and I going through our memories of the films from the 80s and compared to what we think now and that kind of perspective. Yeah. 80s All Over. There you go. Check it out, folks. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Matt, now I think, uh, yeah, I think this does this leads us into our next segment called "Get to Know Ya," where we get to know our guest and to make sure they're not some robot from the future sent to destroy us all. <laughs> uh oh, here we go. Matt, kick it off. All right, uh, Scott. I asked this of all of the guests. Um, what is the first movie you remember seeing in a theater? Oh wow. <sighs> uh, Probably the first Star Wars. I know that's like, like it couldn't possibly be that, but I was like six, and I saw it with my sister, and oh, wow. that's uh, cool. I just yeah, I distinctly remember that I wouldn't sit still. And then afterwards, <laughs> I told my mom and dad how much I loved the movie, and my sister yelled at me and said, "You wouldn't sit still for the whole movie." And she, like, and that's uh, that's yeah, that's that's I, I could be Star Wars. It has to have been something earlier. It had to have been a Disney movie. Or maybe a Charlie Brown movie, but but the first answer that popped into my head was Star Wars, because that would have been seventy seven. Yeah, maybe Star. Let's say Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, that 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 kind of uh, plays into what I was talking about last week, Matt. When this question brought up, and I was like, well, my I think my technically my, the first film I saw in the theater was Flipper, but the one I <laughs> I most attached myself to is Star Wars Special Edition in 97. So, yeah, I, I, I like to think fondly of the Special Edition in 97. That's how young I am, Scott. Sorry. I'm so, no, that's how old I am. <laughs> I think, I don't think I've ever answered this question on the show. Have oh, I? I don't think, I don't think so. What is your answer, Matt? Uh, well, I was born in 84, and I think the first thing I saw, I was like, my parents took me when I was like two years old. They did a, uh, you know how Disney used to do re-releases all the time, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. It was a, it was a re-release of the Fox and the Hound. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which I mean, I guess that was my mom easy. Probably the day you were born, I was watching a Ghostbusters Gremlins double feature. Oh. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, I say this, I've said this on the show before, but my first major memory of going to the theater is the summer of 89 where um, my dad took me to see The Last Crusade Batman and Ghostbusters 2 and it was the coolest yeah. summer ever it was a good 89 was a good summer definitely <laughs> what a time to be a kid <laughs> <laughs> yep uh, yeah, Marcelo. the 80s were great for movie geeks the 80s, oh, the 80s say what you will about the 1980s but it created a lot of really passionate movie lovers the 1980s you could say a lot about the how horrible the fashion was and, and maybe even, the, well, not, okay, maybe the pop music too. But uh, movies created, you know, the, the fun movies of the 1980s, I think, really created a whole generation of movie nuts that I don't yeah. know that other generations, like, uh, the 90s had some, of course, some good movies, but that's not quite as distinctive as the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcelo, do you have a question? Uh, yes, let's see if I can uh, bring one up. Okay, uh, since it's October, and as Matt likes to say, it's spooky season. Um, mm-hmm. Scott, uh, what is your favorite or one low-budget horror movie that you would recommend to somebody? Oh, gosh. Uh, oh, That's a good question. Well, I mean, all right, if, you, if I'm going to go 
I'll give, I'll give you two different answers. Okay. The original uh, low-budget horror film that everybody needs to see in its completion, with not just in clips on, uh, in other movies, is George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. Uh, everybody, everybody, yes. you know, it's a movie that everybody says I've seen because they've seen so many different scenes that, like, by this point, we've all seen the whole film by osmosis in a way. Yeah. But to if you haven't seen it recently or you've only seen it piecemeal, Night of the Living Dead from beginning to end is a great horror movie, and it and it is like almost a template to to show what what you can do with a lot of good ideas and some dedicated people, but very little money. Um, and uh, would. More recently, I guess I'll pick a more recent one. Uh, let's see. I mean, God, most of the. I mean, what isn't a low budget horror movie these days? They're all low yeah. budget, right? Unless um, it's made by James Wan, it's a low budget movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and even those are <laughs> relatively. Uh, those are. Uh, how about The Witch? Okay. Yeah. So, so you guys see that one yet? Yes, I have. I've seen What'd it. Yes. <laughs> Marcelo, what you guys think? Well, okay. I I love The Witch. Absolutely, I do. But I know Matt. I mean, Matt, you didn't love it as much as I did. Or... Oh no, it's a don't. There's no shame in it. It's a very divisive horror movie. Absolutely. Not, it is. No, I thought. I mean, pe- some people love it. Some people say, "What did I miss something?" And they're they're both legitimate responses. Yeah, yeah. I did not care for it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I was, there's just dead air there for like. Three yeah, seconds. I don't know. It's just no. What I think I like most about it is it's just it's so novel. It's like we rare. Like when do you see a period piece that is so single-mindedly intent on being in the period? It is so. Uh, I mean, it feels like a documentary from three hundred years ago in a way. It's just I think it's fascinating to look at narratively. I can see why story-wise people might be like, "Meh, didn't do much for me." But the visual side of it just swept me up. Just loved it. Yeah, I'm totally with you, Scott. And I know, Matt, I mean, we talked about this before and on, you know, a few episodes ago, but you didn't really, not to spoil anything, but you didn't really think highly of the end. Kind of lost you by that point, right? Uh, the last five minutes I didn't care for. Yeah. Which I can, I can see. I can see. Totally. But you saw it in a, where'd you see it, Marcelo? Oh, (laughs) well, I I saw it at Fantastic Fest last year. And then around the release, uh, nationwide, they had a screening in Austin. Um, presented by the Satanic Temple, <laughs> and there was a ceremony afterwards. Yeah, I I described it in oh, detail buddy. in a in a past episode. But yeah, that was uh, wow. that was a hell of a screening, and I like to thank uh, our good friend Rocky Juarez for inviting me to that. And yeah, I love uh, that kid. He's great, Scott. Uh, he and I podcast. Oh, Rocky Juarez, what a sweet time. guy. Yeah. Really a good guy. One of the best, really. But yeah, um, hell of an experience that that was. <laughs> um, but yeah, hey Matt, do you have another question for Scott? I have, I would like to answer that low budget horror question. Oh, okay, turning it to you oh. then, Matt. Um, yeah, um, Sam Raimi's Evil Dead. Well, yeah. I mean, oh, that's God, basically, yes. for me. Perfect, that's that's the, that's the that's the go to low budget oh, yeah. horror film when you show it to someone. They're like, yeah, they made this with like no money. Uh, look yep. what they achieved. And yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. the kind of thing that inspires younger people to go, huh, wait a second. I mean, obviously it takes real skill to make a movie, but these guys did it. I can try, yeah. too. It's like that's what – you don't – you know, like big, big movies make you go, wow, I really love movies. And, you know, but, but watching a good low-budget film makes you think, I might be able to do that. If I have some yeah. devoted friends and a good idea 
and a little bit of money, I might be able to do what Peter Jackson did with with uh, Dead or uh, Dead Alive. Uh, you know that that's what indie filmmakers they really inspire the next the next generation or the next wave. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, um, I'm trying to think of an answer I would give. Um, I think the original Texas Chainsaw. Oh, I got one more. The best oh. indie, the best indie film I've uh, horror film I've seen this year is called Found Footage 3D. It's playing <laughs> this weekend at the Austin Film Festival. There you go. And in Biloxi at Fear Feet. It's also playing L.A. Scream Fest on the 26th. Oh no. <laughs> God, I'm shameless. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's totally fine. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, I, yeah, I cut you off, Matt. I'm sorry. Texas Chainsaw oh, Massacre. I... Oh, there you go. That, that, oh, God, yes. Cool. Yeah, uh, Matt, you're gonna say if you were making, yeah, if you were making, as I often do for Thrillist, if you were making a list of the most influential indie horror films, the three we just mentioned: Night of the Living Dead, the Evil Dead, and uh, sorry, what did you just say? Texas Chainsaw Texas. Massacre. Yeah, and T, the original TCM. With would uh, arguably the top three, maybe Blair Witch would go in there too, and or uh, or Paranormal Activity is most influential and most successful in these. Those those are the you know like the undisputed or Halloween. Good God, how did we not say Halloween? Um, but yeah, they you know those movies were made on relative shoestring budgets, and how were they made? They had one really cool idea and a handful of really dedicated people, and they made Evil Dead. They made Texas Chainsaw. They made Halloween. And, you know, those, there's a reason that we still love those movies now. And it's not because, oh, they were cheap but pretty good. It's because they're damn good movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Matt, you going to say something? I have one more question. Go for it. Yes. It's a question I've asked other guests before. Um, what is the one film that made you fall in love with film? Wow. Yeah, that is a good question. Um It might have been Star Wars, but I was a bit too young. So I'm going to say, and 1980 was a real formative year for me. And and half the people who hear this answer will cheer, and half the other will go, huh? But I think the movie that really got it deep, deep, deep into my DNA was Flash Gordon. Okay. Oh, I've always I wanted have, to see that. Yeah, it is so much fun. It is, it is, yeah, it, it's just great. Um, I'm not even that familiar with the source. I don't know the, the source material all that well, but it's just a, a fun sci-fi movie, very colorful, very but great, great music by Queen. I just love Flash Gordon, and it bothers me when people say it's uh, it's a bad film. <laughs> it's one of those ones that I've always wanted to see. Oh, definitely, dude, definitely check it out. Please, please. I mean, please I've heard I've me heard the soundtrack good. many times. Yeah, of course, you know, be- oh, of course, because Queen. But- I mean, <laughs> if you just take it as a Saturday afternoon action adventure, space adventure, you, I don't see how you couldn't enjoy it. It has a lot of action. It has a lot of humor. It's very colorful. Uh, the music, again, is great. Special effects are great. I love Flash Gordon, and uh, unironically, love it. Uh, but then again, I also love Popeye from 1980, so maybe <laughs> I'm not the most. So do I. Powerful. So do I. Yeah, I love, yeah, I love Popeye. Uh, and plus, I'm a sucker for Robert Altman, so yeah, I love Popeye. Of course, <laughs> and it's movie. just a weird diversion for Robert Altman's career too. You know, yes. you could look at most of Robert Altman's films and say, "Yeah, those are Robert Altman-y films." And then you look at Popeye, and you're like, "That's so different," this? but it's still, it's still so art, art artistically weird uh, yeah. in, in a good Robert Altman way. Yeah. 
Uh, I love that man. Uh, Marcelo, do you have one more question? Uh, yeah. Uh, how about this, Scott? And you can interpret this any way you want, but um, what's a key factor that makes a horror movie work for you? Um, you have... Uh, this is probably the most cliched answer ever for a reason. You have to... There has to be some character that you either re- care about or relate to. I don't... I don't... There has to be at least one or two characters in the film that you want to see survive, that you want to see escape, that you want to see win. That is, to me, what makes... The, that's the stakes. You know, the movie has to set up a situation with, with relatable or um, uh, sympathetic characters, and then no matter what happens, uh, if you care about the character, or at least one or two of them, then the, the scares are earned. Because you don't want that woman, that pregnant woman, to get attacked by the psycho in inside. You don't want... Laurie Strode to get killed by Michael Myers. You don't want, you know, the girl, uh, the, the hero to get eaten by zombies in Night of Living Dead because you like them, you care about them. So it, it, a lot of horror movies seem to, at least at least slasher type movies, seem to bail on that where it's just easier to make them all obnoxious or trendy or goofy. Yeah. Uh, you have to have some characters worth caring about or all the great, you could have great scares and if no one cares about the person being potentially killed, what's the point? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Great answer to a pretty good question. <laughs> um, <Yep>. Matt, I think <laughs> Matt, I think we've gotten to know our guests uh, sufficiently I enough, right? I think we have. I think we have. Nice getting to know you, Scott. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and now it's time for the meat of the show, Matt. Yeah, you know, like the, the sandwich bits that are in the middle of a sandwich. <laughs> it's what we're here the for. Meat. To discuss what we watched in the last week or so, you know, generally. Yes. Um, so, who's first, Matt? I believe it's Scott. Uh, he saw a little movie that I've been looking forward to called Arrival. Tell us about Arrival, yeah. Scott. Uh, Arrival, which I saw courtesy of the lovely Fantastic Fest last week, uh, is um, about a uh, world-class linguist, as played by Amy Adams, who is uh, brought to the site of a, an alien uh, ship that has landed and has seems to be communicating, but they're not sure. So they need her expertise to figure out if and what it's saying. And that's literally all the plot you're getting from me. And that you can get that from the, the trailer. And I'm not saying another word beyond that. I'm but totally fine with that. One of the, yeah. One of the best science fiction movies for grownups that I've seen since, you know, I, I tweeted about it. I hate to, but, uh, it reminded me of contact and that it's about oh, big, fantastic. Lo- big, lofty sci-fi ideas, and it's but yet filtered through human, uh, human characters. You know, because mm. you know it's not that hard to create a whoa, what a what a great idea. But again, if you don't have some interesting characters to filter through your giant sci-fi idea, then your idea is just going to leave me cold. And uh, it's yeah. very well written. It's gorgeous to look at. It it, it really is uh, thought-provoking and very touching. And it has some, I don't want to say a twist ending, but it has some plot twists, more than one, that uh, you might see one coming, but you won't see them all coming. It has some very cool plot twists and contortions, and uh, I I think it's fantastic. It comes out in November, and I'm very uh, curious to see what what critics and general audiences think of Arrival. 
Yeah, I mean, I I can't wait. Um, I I was avoiding trailers because I, I that's kind of my mood for t- 2016, just to avoid as many trailers as I can. But I did uh-huh. see one. I did see it in in a theater, and I was I was like, oh, I was like, oh, this this is this movie. This I am. Oh, it's, yeah. Oh, that to the movie. studio's credit, the, to the studio's credit, so far at least, the marketing has been vague. Yeah. They, I, you know, I'm very sensitive to spoilers in trailers and commercials, and since obviously I've seen the film, I don't mind watching the trailer now. And yeah. I will give the studio credit that at least at this point they're keeping the twists or the plot turns under wraps. Yeah. They are. Yeah, because because in the trailer I saw it, it's very much what you said, Scott. It's just the setup and doesn't go beyond that. But yeah, I am thrilled. Uh, I I love this director. I cannot pronounce his name for the life of me. Uh, Dennis Villeneuve. Villeneuve. I think it's Villeneuve. 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 I don't know um, if, yeah. if North Americans can can truly pronounce it properly. Yes, he's a great director. Yeah, uh, uh, Matt. Uh, I mean, you should be definitely interested in, in what oh, he does. I'm very, I'm very excited. I really, I'm, I'm one of those people that really loved Sicario. Yeah, and it's the only other film by him that I have seen. So I need to still see, you know, Enemy and Prisoners. I'm really looking forward to watching those. But as soon as I saw the first trailer for this, I'm on board. I mean, I'll watch Amy Adams and everything she does. I it doesn't it doesn't bother me. Uh, I'm just happy we're getting this and we're getting another Amy Adams film within a couple weeks of this major release. And yeah, I'm excited for this movie. It looks cool. I like the visual style. I like uh, this director's visual style. And I really like the cinematographer who worked on this one. Oh, it's, uh, dude, this movie is gorgeous. The cinematography yeah, uh, is you. The score is great. I mean, yeah, uh, the know, guy who when did, it comes to a genre film, you can tell a lot by how it how how interesting is it in the down moments when people are mm-hmm. giving you exposition or you're getting character beats. Is it still is is it still beautiful to look at? Is it still compelling while people are just chattering away? And yeah. that's what Arrival is. It doesn't have any boring parts. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, the guy who did the uh, cinematography, this uh, Bradford Young, I first noticed him a few years ago when he did uh, back to back. He did Selma and A Most Violent Year, and I thought those were really good looking yeah. pictures. And I'm excited for this guy moving forward. Uh, cinematography can do a lot for me, and uh, I love. Uh, what he's doing. I hate that these are not. Like, uh, it's not the kind of prediction I like to make because I'm not usually a big an award awards yeah. guy. But if this film doesn't get nominated for cinematography, I will be very surprised. Oh wow, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, it looks really cool. And yeah, Matt, yeah. see uh, Enemy as soon as you can. It's it's a hell of a movie. Yeah, they're okay. both Enemy, Enemy, and Prisoners are both good. Sicario, I rewatched last week, and it just it it still holds up. I really like it. I think Arrival so might be his I best movie. Yeah, it might be his best film yet. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, and and also, I mean, in the future, I don't like to normally talk movie news, but hey, he's doing the new Blade Runner. So that's exciting. Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I'm, the way I look at it is if it's got to happen, at least they hire good filmmakers. That's, exactly. you know, it's like you can be exactly. cynical about remakes, but when they at least hire the, the, the right writers and directors, you're like, okay, now at least I can approach it with some optimism. Yep. Yeah. Oof. It's, it's oh, a time right there. Yeah. So, yeah, I can't wait for Arrival. It's coming out in November. So, oh, it's, it's on top of my list for November. All right. Check site. Um, I guess it's my turn now. Uh, it is. You watched some Criterions, didn't you? I did. I did. Um, I went to my local video store in Austin, Vulcan Video, and I picked up uh, Valley of the Dolls and Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Um, these are not so horror. You played what you played with dolls. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> these are not horror movies, Matt. I'm sorry. 
So yeah, it's all right, fine. It's but fine. in 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 a way, it, it it's kind of horrific the way these women deal with drugs. It's it's scary, right? Sure. <laughs> I'm I don't trying, know. I've never seen these movies. I'm trying to know. make it work. So yeah. So Valley of the Dolls is a now it's a camp classic. Uh, came out in 1967. Uh, it was the the critics tore it apart, but it was a huge hit. Mm-hmm. Um, it deals with these well this one woman who comes from a small town moves to New York City uh, works with these uh, talented people around her and they all get into drugs and it becomes kind of crazy and uh, melodramatic and it's 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 a good time it's it's pretty fun to watch uh, some of the names you may know who's in this uh, Petty Duke Sharon Tate um, they're great okay, in it yeah, yeah. so uh, I highly recommend this if 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 you want to see women in the sixties just go nutso. I think it's well worth your time. Uh, the, the the Criterion has like a new I think four K restoration and it looks oh, wow. looks gorgeous. Um, so I saw that uh, beginning of the day and then later on in the day in the same day, I was blown away by Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Which now this one I really want to see. This one has me excited. I mean, while the first one like it's not it yeah it, it's like a camp classic. And I, I still thought, you know, the performances were like... I mean, they, they took it serious. And the subject matter, they took it as serious as possible. But, you know, of course, it's kind of overblown. And it's kind of funny at times, not on purpose. But then you go to Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. And it's just in your face, like, 60s madness going on. It was. It what do was, you expect? It's Russ Meyer. It's Russ Meyer. And there's... <laughs> Come on. Tits everywhere. There's crazy well, yeah. fucking news. Yeah, it's Russ Meyer. It's Russ Meyer. Uh, That's all it needs to say. Why don't you tell... Make sure you tell your listeners the most interesting uh, trivia fact about Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Who wrote it? Yes, uh, screenplay by Roger Ebert, who who <laughs> who, who took a six week break from um, writing film reviews to to work on this movie, and yeah, it, it's um, it, I I was just like jaw on the floor by the end of it. Um, I don't even want to reveal what happens, Matt. I I was I was I was texting you while I was watching this movie, Matt. Um, to put this on your list for the next Criterion cell, okay? Don't worry. You have to watch this movie. <laughs> it is, it is something to behold. Um, so yeah, uh, it's it's out there, man. I think I think the line that's in this uh, Austin Powers uses it later on. It's like this scene. Oh, I forgot the I forgot the line. I should have written it down. It's like this scene's crazy, man. But it's my scene, something like that. I'm terrible at at paraphrasing, but yeah. Um, there's a special feature on it. On the Criterion, where John Waters talks for 30 minutes about his love, about Russ Meyer, and Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, and how it influenced him and his work. So that's well worth it for that. Uh, there's yeah, a commentary. I could, watch, I could watch John Waters talk for hours, so yeah, I'll watch this. Yeah, there's a commentary by Roger Ebert, where he just goes through the, the whole entire process of how he came to work on the movie and like how he feels about nice. it. Nice. That, that's on the disc. So yeah, it's yeah, well he, worth your time. He does time. good commentaries, so... I'm looking yeah. forward to that too. So yeah, uh, I am just saying that Beyond the Valley of the Dolls blew my mind, and Valley of the Dolls is well worth your time too. So I'm glad I I saw these, uh, courtesy of Criterion. Um, they 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 came out a bit I think about two weeks ago. So yeah, they're okay, well cool. worth your time. Um, yeah, so that's what I saw instead of watching horror movies, Matt. I saw <laughs> these these crazy '60s flicks. That's fine. <laughs> it's acceptable. Okay. <laughs> Uh, speaking of crazy, uh, Scott, you saw a movie called Raw. Tell me about this. Yeah, heard another one from Fantastic. crazy things. <laughs> yeah, I saw it at Fantastic Fest. It's a, a French-Belgian, I believe, co-production. Uh, okay. Fantastic. 
It's a it's about a, a young girl who is on her way to veterinarian school, and apparently they allow all kinds of institutionalized hazing and crazy rituals at this at this Oof. school. And she's a lifetime lifelong uh, vegetarian, and she's uh, not forced, but uh, strongly compelled to eat some meat during one of their rituals, and uh, it leads to a. Um, really bad reaction let's just put it that way uh let's she she gains a taste for uh human flesh in a way Ooh. and uh it goes to some very disturbing very frank and ugly, just creepy places but it also is very insightful has a lot to say about uh conformity and you know the fear of being alone and you know how far you'll be willing to go to be part of a group um and you know do you lose your individuality you know the, the more you uh conform to join a group it's uh it's fascinating it's really great it's called raw i'm not sure when it's coming out but you will you will definitely be hearing more about it in coming months oh i've, I've heard so much about it already like wasn't there uh, i think in tiff they said somebody had like a heart attack or fainted they fainted during yeah, the screening of this that, yeah. <laughs> I, I maybe fainted i'm not sure yeah i think it was fainted. Uh, yeah you read these stories about yeah a certain visceral horror films that that elicit yeah. a that kind of a response it's not that uncommon and some people say it's mostly marketing but you know uh, i've i've been at horror movies at festivals where people would like you know be overwhelmed by something on the screen and kind of stagger out of the theater like oh i can't watch this you know and then yeah. they'll say oh he fainted no he didn't faint he just kind of got grossed out yeah, he uh, kind of just, he just, just held his tummy as he walked out <laughs> Yeah, uh, but but you know, uh, it also you know I saw it at Fantastic Fest, so there's not going to be any any walkouts or or, or any kind of uh, problem with 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 uh, graphic material at Fantastic Fest. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Better not uh, be. No. So, yeah. So no, Raw is is not for the weak of heart. It is gruesome, but it's also fascinating. Uh, also, real quick, you watched a uh, a film called Rats. Rats. Tell us, is tell us about Rats, real quick. <laughs> Is a yeah yeah real quick is a very it's like a, a horror themed documentary from Morgan Spurlock who everybody knows from Super Size Me and his yeah the TV McDonald's shows. movie <laughs> yep yep he's a great guy does very cool like what I'd call human interest documentaries mm-hmm. um, and uh, just just a lot of it's disturbing I mean it's about rats so you know it's ugly and gre- creepy uh, and he's he's a big horror film fan he says. So he kind of couched this production. It, it, it is a documentary, but it plays like a horror film. Let's just put it that way. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, that sounds fascinating. And I've read a lot about this, and I was just freaked out by just some of the images that were in some articles I read. Just things they do to rats. Um, it's, yeah, I have to see this. Oh, yeah, it has, there's some experiments and... Yeah, there. I mean, it's not just oh, look at all the rats and the the, the damage they caused, and oh, there's one in my basement. It's not just that; it's the science of rats and the diseases they carry, and oh, it's it's fascinating touch- but creepy. Do they touch on the Rat King at all? <laughs> the Rat King? No, they no, do not. Damn it! Uh, rat and- King is so fascinating to me. <laughs> Um, and, and I see it's premiering on the Discovery Channel on October twenty second. Oh, cool. uh, if, if you want. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I knew it was. I knew I forgot what channel, but yeah, there you go. Discovery Channel in a, it's October twenty second. Uh, you got a strong stomach, and you're interested in in one of the more unwelcome animals on our planet. Uh, definitely watch rats. Uh-huh. There you go, um, Matt. 
spe- yeah. Speaking of films with the uh, first word that begins with R, I don't know. There, there are there are there are rats. There in are rats movie. in the relic. Uh, wow, now that's a segue, man. That is <laughs> that. That is pro level segue right there. Speaking of rats, speaking of that things is... that have nouns in them. <laughs> Anywho, I uh, rewatched the other night one of my favorite monster movies from the 90s, uh, Peter Hyams' uh, The Relic. Um, Love it. Fr- from na- 1997. This is one of those movies that I remember reading the book before it came out when I was uh, yep. a young younger kid, getting so excited, and then seeing the movie, and it was different from the book, obviously, but I still had such a good time with this. Um, I love the creature effects by Stan Winston. In this, uh, his uh, yep. his Kathoga design, while different from what was described, uh, is cool. It's this really cool tusked uh, creature. I'm sorry to say that word again, Marcelo. I okay. probably just triggered you. But uh, <laughs> yes. But anyway, um, yeah, this tusked creature that just stalks Penelope and Miller in a museum in Chicago. And it's freaking awesome. The whole cast here is great. Uh, Penelope Ann Miller uh, gives a great Scream Queen performance. Uh, Linda Hunt as her boss, as like the curator of the museum. I've always loved Linda Hunt ever since I was a little kid uh, when she was in uh, Kindergarten Cop, (laughs) actually. Yeah. And uh, Tom Sizemore. I miss Tom Sizemore. Uh, Yeah, he was fun. He was fun when he was around, but then like, you know, his personal life caught up with him and I really miss Tom Sizemore he was such a cool guy and I love his character in this he plays a superstitious detective uh, basically telling people you know don't walk onto that ladder and don't pick up that coin it's face down like you know silly stuff like that but it's a cool creature feature that takes place in a museum and that's a pretty cool setting to have a monster movie Uh, earlier you said you like this movie uh, Scott Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, it, it's a very conventional monster movie, and that, to me, that's a selling point. I don't. I like conventional yeah. monster movies. <laughs> uh, we don't get enough movies like The Relic, in my opinion. Um, uh, it, again, yeah, good cast, very well shot by the director Peter Hyams, and mm. um, uh, one of the few directors who shoots his own films. I've always yes. been a big fan exactly. of Peter Hyams since, like, I did Outland in 1980. Oh my god, uh, I love Outland. Uh, running- <laughs> Yeah, he did Running Scared with uh, Billy Crystal and, and Gregory Hines. Uh, he's done some misfires, but overall, I like I like Peter Hyams a lot. And uh, The Relic is not it's not ironic. It's not pretentious. It is a simple, straightforward monster movie, and uh, it, it, it's a lot of fun. I dig it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, have you seen this, Marcelo? I saw this years and years ago, like on cable TV, like I think on the Sci-Fi Channel or something. Oh, wow. So I need to rewatch it. I, I've, I gotten it. I've gotten it confused in the past with... Um, What's the Del Toro one from the nineties? Um, Mimic. 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 Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. Oh my god, I love Mimic. But I, I, I recently, yeah. I rewatched Mimic um, for the first time in years a few few weeks ago, and oh, I love that movie so much. But yeah, I need to rewatch the Relic. Yeah, I need to re- rewatch the Relic. The extended, uh, Del Toro's extended cut is better, I think. Yes, it is. It's it's much better. Yeah, that's the version I saw. And and if you have that Blu-ray, uh, Guillermo's audio commentary is fantastic. Oh yeah! Oh my God! He is completely he... frank and open about mm-hmm. how the studio kind of screwed him, and it was partially his fault, and it was partially their fault. Yeah. And you know, here's what I wanted to do, and now I was able to put these scenes back in. Completely honest and completely classy about it, and and uh, I love I love Del Toro. Good God! Yeah, Me I too. I'm so happy. Uh, and, he, that... and he does have great commentaries. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. he does. Yes, yeah. he does. So, Matt, hey, who's who's next? 
I believe we're going back to Scott. Uh, you saw the girl with all the gifts. Tell us about her presence. Yeah. <laughs> that, yes. Oh, God. Stop it. <laughs> um, the Girl with All the Gifts is a movie that had like four red flags for me right away. Okay. okay. It, it deals with zombies. I'm tired of zombies. It's based on a young adult novel, and recently those have not been all that great. I'm a little, little tired of that. And it's post-apocalyptic combined with the other two, and it's like, mm. all right, I've seen this already. Uh, and while it does often feel kind of like a stew of, of other films, it also really strikes its own unique chord. Uh, it's basically, it's a, it takes place, obviously, in the post-apocalyptic future, and uh, there is a, a, I guess you call it a schoolroom uh, of, of full of zombie children who are completely cogent, uh, they're completely aware, uh, but when they get too close to human flesh, they start to get a little manic and very bitey. Uh, hungry. So it's, it's, yeah, it is sort of an evolution of what the zombies that we currently know, uh, in that they can be completely self-aware and completely calm, uh, at certain points, but you know, when they go nuts, they go. They are they are old school crazy zombies. And then the uh, the facility where these zombies are being taught and experimented upon, it's um, attacked by an outside force. And so a handful of people from the uh, from the facility have to go on like a long quest to uh, to a different facility to get safety. And there's one zombie kid, and there's a doctor, and there's a school teacher, and there's a soldier. And it's uh, very archetypal characters. Very, very interesting. Much better than I expected. Ah, oh. I have. This is actually the first I've heard of this, but I really like the concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very good. Unexpectedly good. I'm not sure exactly when this is coming out uh, stateside, but uh, I see it's already out in the UK. Oh, it has a release. Oh, it, it has uh, a release. Gamma Arterton. It's uh, Gamma Arterton. Glenn Close. Uh, Patty Considine. Um, and the girl who plays the, uh, the zombie girl, um, uh, I can't remember her name, uh, but she's fantastic. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> uh, you, you'll be hearing a lot more, uh, from the young girl who, who plays the, the young zombie anti-hero. She's very charming at her best moments and very ominous at her worst. She's fantastic. Oh, I can't wait for this. That sounds really cool. Hey, Matt, you saw a movie. I saw... I saw a documentary about the 2016 election. <laughs> the Dead Zone. <laughs> David Cronenberg's The Dead Zone from 1983. Uh, God, this is a movie. <laughs> I did not know you were bringing this movie up. I love The Dead Zone. <laughs> this is a movie that I have owned on DVD for about, oh, I don't know, eight years and just have not gotten around to watching it. And then at work on Sunday, we were super dead and I turned on a channel called Movies <laughs> and this was on. And we were totally dead. So I was able to sit and watch this for, you know, its entire runtime uninterrupted by customers. It was kind of wonderful. And, oh, my God, I can't believe I didn't watch this movie earlier because this yeah. is one of my favorite Cronenberg films. Yeah, uh, it's one of my favorite Cronenbergs and it's one of my favorite Stephen King adaptations. It's yeah. scary. It's melancholy. It's heartfelt. It's creepy. It's got a great ending. Oh, love, love, love the Dead Zone. Yeah, love it. Everything, everything about this just works. Um, from Christopher Walken giving it a, basically an all-timer performance in his career uh, yes. to uh, I forget the guy's name, but the guy who plays his doctor is amazing in this. 
And then uh, then you have Brooke Adams from Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It was really cool to see her pop up after watching her in you know, Body Snatchers a few weeks ago. Yeah. And then you have Martin Sheen playing this despicable garbage human. <laughs> oh, God. Who's yeah. such a, not who's a, such not a, a coward. coward note in that whole film. Yeah, no, there's not movie, a sour note in that whole movie. It is yeah, the idea that you can see, you know, being able to touch somebody and see a vision of, of their future. And it does it in such an interesting visual way. Yeah. And, 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 and narratively, it, 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 uh, it goes to, the, like, if you were to come up with the idea of, okay, if you touch people, you can see uh, something into their, in their future or in their, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, this, this exploits that idea to the best degree. And it's fantastic. I Yeah, I really love yeah. this movie. And it might even be able to dethrone Videodrome as my favorite Cronenberg. I don't know yet. I'll have to think on that. <laughs> Apples and oranges. I couldn't compare yeah. the two. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, but yeah, no, Walking is great. Uh, I love everything about this movie. The score is awesome. Uh, uh, Marcel, have you seen this? Oh, yeah. I saw this years ago, and I'm so happy you finally saw it. because. Oh, I, me too. <laughs> I, 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 can't remember, I can't remember if it was on the show or like through a Twitter DM. It's like, hey, Matt, you, you need to watch The Dead Zone. Um, it's, yeah. it's pretty damn great. And that one moment, and I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen The Dead Zone, but you should see The Dead Zone, but the moment when... Oh, like me a couple days ago? <laughs> um, with, I'll just I'll mention the moment with the scissors. Um, oh, God. Yeah. That, oh, you don't even have... Yeah, that, that, that's it. You say it to anybody who's seen the movie, and you say the moment with the scissors, that's it. It's such yeah. a horrific concept. Uh, and, and mm. uh, oh, it's... it's yeah, it's disturbing. Yeah, um, and the stuff with the uh, the ice. The ice is going to break. Love all that. Love the ice. Love love that. Um, and and most importantly, or perhaps not uh, most interestingly, the best time in the world to watch the Dead Zone, given its political subplot, is uh, now. Yes. Watch this movie before you go vote, <laughs> because there's a character in the film who will remind you of a certain politician mm-hmm. uh, whose name rhymes with Grump. And yes. uh, it's 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 a, it's a, he it's a just a fascinating subplot to watch in today's political landscape. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, top uh, top three scissor moments in film. Yes. <laughs> top three scissor moments. It's 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 up there with the uh, Antichrist. So uh, oh, for scissors, scissors in cinema. Oh, fantastic! Top 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 tier scissor kino. Um. <laughs> any <laughs> anyway, Scott, uh, you saw. A giant monster attack everything. I want to know all about this, please. Yeah, okay. The, the, it was the Fantastic Fest closing night film. It was a film uh, called Colossal. Colossal oh, no. And it oh, no. Stars, oh, okay. Go on. Oh. Sorry. Oh, wait. We, which I saw two movies that had giant monsters. We can talk about both of them. Yeah, talk about them. Right, I'll, I'll do them both together. First, I'll do yeah. Colossal. Uh, and it's just a very odd, offbeat, and uh, oddly appealing uh, indie film about um, Anne Hathaway plays a uh, young woman who's kind of a wreck, clearly has a problem with alcohol, and she goes back to her hometown, and she meets up with an old friend of hers, a guy played by Jason Sudeikis, and, you know, if you've seen one indie film, you're like, oh, I've seen this. Girl with a drinking problem goes back home, meets a handsome guy she used to know, and, yeah, I've seen this movie. But that's what makes Colossal interesting, is that it kind of satirizes that whole premise. Uh, Basically, they discover her, the, the, the guy and the girl, Anne Hathaway and Jason Sudeikis, they discover that when they, follow me now, when they walk through a certain part of a local park, okay. certain creatures, giant kaiju, suddenly appear in South Korea and start smashing buildings. 
that like somehow they are telekinetically linked to these giant creatures that are smashing through South Korea. It's a admittedly bizarre concept, and I wouldn't I wouldn't call the film brilliant, but it certainly is unique, <laughs> and it, it definitely um, kind of lampoons the conventions of typical indie dramedies in a very interesting way. And the yes, special please. effects are pretty good too. Yeah, the effects are pretty cool. Wow, that's that sounds like a really cool concept. Yeah, everything. I hear yeah, about it is this, weird. Yeah, I, I need to see this, and I I, I love the director of this, uh, Nacho Vigalando, uh, who I yeah, mean, the director of the Mad Spaniard, who brought us Time Crimes, uh, Extraterrestrial, and Open Windows. Full disclosure, I, I'm in a scene of Open Windows, and uh, uh, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. I still think Time Crimes is his best movie. But I liked. I really enjoyed Colossal. I I have to see. Uh, Matt, Matt, have you seen Time Crimes? At least I have seen nothing from this person. Ooh, see no. Time Crimes. Oh, he's he's also done some amazing shorts. So if you if you uh, if you check out his three features and then you you want some more Vigalando, definitely check out huh. his shorts. The oh. Draft House put out a, a compilation. Oh wow! Matt. Yeah, I gotta I gotta check this out. I yes, think, Marcelo. I, I, think... I bet you Rocky Juarez. I bet you Rocky Juarez has it. <laughs> Probably, uh, Matt. I think Time Crimes is on Shutter, so oh, put that on your list. Okay, there you go. I certainly will. <laughs> uh, you also saw the new uh, Godzilla movie. Yes, opens today in limited release. It's called Sheen Godzilla, which uh, I asked on Twitter, and a lot of people told me it means either big or god or you know something like that. But it's called Sheen S H I N Godzilla, and it is a very uh, dry but tongue-in-cheek kind of procedural uh, basically you know it's retelling the Godzilla tale and it's um, doing it through a, a very methodical series of events that would you would think would logically happen if, if a giant monster suddenly appeared uh, huh. where they go through committee meetings and politicians and all kinds of red tape meanwhile while they're all doing their bureaucracy meanwhile the, the monster shows up again and destroys you know ten more blocks and uh, the effects are fantastic. It is, uh, as it is a procedural, it does sag a bit in the middle. It gets a little bit dry in Act 2. But uh, for the most part, it's really fun. Oh, yeah. I, I'm looking forward to this. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's a wide release, but it's playing in select, in select theaters. I know the Draft House. In is, select, uh, select areas, yeah. Select areas, yeah. I know the Draft House here in Austin, they're, they're playing it on a few screens. Uh, but yeah, yeah, rub I, it in. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I but, have a draft house down the street from my house. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I'm, I'm jerk. I'm, okay. <laughs> Every week with this. Um, but uh, Scott, I'm glad you're 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 raving about it because I I've talked to some people who saw it and they weren't like that enthusiastic about it. But I just on the face of it, I want to see a Godzilla movie in a theater just to experience yeah. those. Just experience what I want to see in a Godzilla movie. Just him destroying. Everything, so I, I, I do want to see this. Yeah. You'll get that. Okay, good. I'm happy about that. <laughs> um, all right, Matt. Hey, Matt, yeah, who, I, who's next? Oh, I got stung by a bunch of deadly bees. Oh, you uh, saw the, deadly bees. I saw the deadly bees from 1966. What's the uh, good lord? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Good lord. Uh, I don't know. It's this decent killer bee movie about a pop singer and she gets you know she's going through so many things in her life that everyone's like you need to go to this farm you know relax 
for a little while. But then it turns out that the farmer is growing these really crazy looking black bees that are, you know, murderous. Um, it was actually brought to my attention that this was on an episode of Mystery Science Theater, and I had no idea yep. about that. So that's a fun little fact. Well, there's um, the bees, there's the deadly bees, there's the swarm. If you like this, there's a tiny little subgenre just for you. The killer bee genre, and I, I yeah, I, I'll definitely be tracking those yep, down. There was a TV movie called Killer Bees, exactly. So there's four right there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have seen... Um, a few of this other uh, this director Freddie Francis I've seen some of his other films like back when I was Great, a kid yeah. I remember I remember renting the original Tales from the Crypt uh, I've seen the Christopher Lee Dracula he did Dracula has risen from the grave um, yes. I haven't seen Freddie Francis I... directed a really cool film I believe it was 86 called The Doctor and the Devils which okay. is the story of the uh, Burke and Hare the, the uh, grave robbers uh, and it wow. might be the greasiest grimiest grungiest version of that move of that story and it's really good Doctor and the Devils I'm all about that. Uh, yeah, check the that one, out. One that he's made that I've always wanted to see is uh, The Day of the Triffids, which I hear is pretty good. That's uh, yes. basically that's considered like an old-school classic, so I'll be checking that yeah, one the, out. Yeah, uh, there's actually a better uh, adaptation of, of The Triffids. It's dated, but there's a UK TV, uh, BBC version of The Triffid, Day of the Triffids. It's even better. Oh, wow. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yep, yep. yep. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. But yeah, The Deadly Bees... Uh, I'm sure it's great with Mystery Science Theater commentary, but hey, I had a decent okay time with uh, watching this on the, that channel I always talk about, movies, <laughs> with an exclamation point. This show is not sponsored by movies. Um... No, it's not, but we watch a lot of movies, so it's fine. <laughs> um, all right. And oh, so Scott, you saw a movie that I have been interested in um, that's on HBO Go at the moment, yep. starring Kevin Bacon, right? Yeah, I was really late to this one. A lot of my friends saw it at festivals and then in theaters, but it's called Cop Car. Ooh. And it's uh, co-written and uh, directed by John Watts, who horror fans will remember from the recent Eli Roth production, Clown, which is better, a lot better than you would expect. And he's also directing the next. Guys, what's he doing next? Spider-Man. Your, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Mans. <laughs> yes, he is directing Spider-Man Homecoming. And Cop Car is basically about two very bored kids I believe it takes place in Colorado, and they are walking through a uh, just a farm, uh, completely ice desolate, and they come across in a ravine. They come across a completely functional with the keys in it cop car, hence the title. Uh-huh. And being being bored, stupid children, they do what any bored, stupid children would do, and they steal the cop car. Unfortunately, <laughs> yes, unfortunately, what the reason the cop car was there unattended was because the sheriff, played by Kevin Bacon was off burying a body in a ditch so he comes <laughs> as, back as you do <laughs> as cops do in movies and uh, so Kevin Bacon comes back the car's gone and the movie goes from there that's all I'm saying Ugh. and uh, it plays a bit like a Coen Brothers movie it plays uh, a bit like a, a, a sad coming of age it's a good it's, a, it's an interesting thriller because you know you kind of rooting for the kids in a way and you're kind of not because you shouldn't have done it but of course you're not rooting for Kevin Bacon because he's clearly a dirty cop and then, then Shea Wiggum, the wonderful character actor Shea Wiggum, shows up, and he uh, is a very dirty criminal. So you have a dirty cop and a potentially helpful criminal and two kids, and it's, it's very cool. Very cool movie. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely checking this out. Yeah, because this came out about a year or two ago, and it was on my radar for the longest Not time. That, yeah. And, yeah, I, I need to check it out. And I'm, I'm glad to hear it's on HBO Go. Um, put and that I'm, on my and list. And I'm glad... 
and I'm glad to hear that the Blu-ray has been sitting on my shelf for about a year. <laughs> oh my! Oh, watch the Blu-ray. It's it's a I'm beautiful the worst shot movie. Human. I buy yeah, no, it's, it's a beautifully shot movie, and and uh, I think Blu-ray would be better. Nice. Yeah, I'm a terrible person. I buy these movies, and I just they sit there. <laughs> but speaking of buying movies, you bought a movie, but you. Well, you you tell the story about what happened with this, Matt. I bought a movie, but I returned a movie the next day because it the the Blu-ray kept skipping. Uh, it skipped about you know ten minutes in the beginning, then it would skip forward in another twenty minutes, and you know you can't really watch a movie if you don't know what the hell's going on. Uh, so I rented it on Amazon. I watched uh, Tim Burton's Dark Shadows uh, last night and this morning, and. I don't know. It's fine. I had fun with this one. It's it has some really weird tonal shifts, uh, but it's Burton's definitely having a good time uh, with the setting, with the early seventies. Uh, the soundtrack is what hooked me for this one. I mean, any movie that has a Carpenter's montage, I immediately fall in love. Uh, Ava Green plays a great villain. Uh, it was great to see Michelle Pfeiffer back in a Tim Burton movie again after all those years. Um, yeah, I mean, there's subplots that get dropped and then brought up abruptly, but that's fine. I was I just having a great time with the the visual style of this movie and uh, the special effects were fun. And yeah, if you want to see some you know mid tier Burton, if you're in the mood for that, then uh, yeah, check out Dark Shadows. I mean, I had a it's one of those movies that I avoided because you know Alice in Wonderland happened and I was on a I don't want to watch Burton movies anymore thing. And so I skipped this one, and uh, I'm kind of upset that I did. I uh, I enjoyed this one. Uh, f- glad I finally saw it. Yeah, Scott, have you seen this one? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Uh, well, I, I I I respect every every asset that you pointed out. I I appreciate everything that you liked about it. I hated Dark Shadows. <laughs> oh no! I, I thought it was just really clunky and piecemeal and not funny and it kind of felt like everybody was going through the motions and instead of making it what you know similar to this tv show they just took the easy road and made it a half satire the cast is very good of course you know tim burton always gets a good cast and it does look nice uh but i just didn't care i mean it was i just didn't care i didn't like the characters i didn't think it was funny uh but i'm glad you liked it because you're in the minority and i always like to hear that you know when it always makes me, I hate conformity. I hate people who just don't like something because they think they're not supposed to. And, you know, as much as I didn't like it, I'm really glad that you did. I mean, as much as, you know, Tim Burton has made two of my least, a few of my least favorite films of all time, I still will give him a chance uh, whenever he oh, has I always a, will. Have something you can come make out. 10 Dark Shadows. And I, yeah, I'll always give his next movie a shot. You know, uh, yeah. that's what movie geeks do. If you, I mean, were really, is... if you were willing to give up on somebody after one or two movies, you better yeah. get a different hobby. You know, you better I mean, like get into books or TV because <laughs> filmmakers sometimes through no fault of their own and sometimes through their own fault, they will turn out one or two or three bad movies in a row uh, for whatever reason. And then the next one could be a classic. You don't you don't ever give up on a filmmaker. No, never give up. I mean, this is the guy who inflicted Alice in Wonderland and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory upon us. But I forgive him. It's fine. It's fine. He also did. Yeah, Pound I of mean, the Apes. Uh, it's, it's fine. Even with, it's like, fine. Even with M. Night. M. Night Shyamalan had a horrible run there where, you know, even yeah. his biggest supporters were like, oh, God. But, yeah, what are you, doing, man? you know, a guy with that kind of talent, you know, you don't give up on entirely. You just don't. No, you don't. Because then, you know, M. Night comes back with something called The Visit and blew me away. Yeah, so, it's a good movie. Yeah, I'll really always made, give him I was chances. very pleased 
you know, because I really did not like After Earth. I really did not like Last Airbender. I really, you know, there's a lot of his films in a row that I, I just didn't like. And when I saw The Visit yeah. and I enjoyed it, I was like, good, he's off the, he's off the bench. Yes. Uh, like, and that's how I think most movie geeks are is they don't want to dislike a movie. They, they pull for their favorite filmmakers. Like you would pull for your favorite baseball player. Yeah, uh, I mean, and nobody wants to, no real movie geek wants to walk out and go, Oh, it sucked. I knew it would suck. That filmmaker stinks. Like that's yeah. not what a movie geek does. That's and not plus, how it when, works. And plus when people have that reaction all the time, it, it gets boring. No, one, oh, yeah. no one wants that. Uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, Nothing, nothing in my career, nothing in my daily grind makes me happier than liking a movie after not liking the, the director's last one. You know, like, it just makes me happy because, A, it shows, good, I'm not just biased. I'm not just, I hate blank. Like, I, I've hated Kevin Smith's last few movies. I'll t say it straight out. I've hated them. Uh, I hated Red State. I hated Tusk. I won't, probably won't see Yoga Hosers just because the, the premise itself doesn't interest me. But when he makes that, when his next movie comes up and it's a comedy or an a horror film, or I'll give him a shot. I'll always give somebody another shot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Scott. I, I, and I'm actually very happy, very, very happy that I enjoyed for the most part, uh, Burton's latest, uh, Miss Peregrine. Like Matt, you did too, right? Yes, I did. Oh, I did I really, too. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Tim Burton has disappointed me in some recent films, and yet his new one is pretty, not not in his top tier, but Peregrine is good. Yeah. It's a yeah, good, it's real fun good. movie. Yep. Very fun, yeah. And it has some great visuals, that whole... Um... I call it I call it British X-Men Babies. <laughs> yes, that's, I've been, yeah, on the show for the past couple weeks, I've been calling it Tim Burton's X-Men. <laughs> British X-Men Babies. He's like, yes. I can make fire, I can make ice. I could shoot bees out of my yeah, mouth. <laughs> so many bees. What a weird, what a weird superpower to have. Like, <laughs> I bet it. She, she can levitate. He can make fire. Okay, those are really practical. What does he do? He shoots bees out of his mouth. <laughs> he shoots bees. It's like, okay, sure. Shoot some bees over there. Thanks. I love yep. it. Or, or I guess if you're in prison, you know, you could spit bees out of your mouth and they could make a honeycomb and make, give you something to eat. Yeah, you know, you're bored one day. You're like, make me a hive, bees. I'm bored. Yeah, you could, you could survive on honey. So that is a pretty pretty practical thing. Well, how did we get into this? <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait for a bee it's like man the guy, to be the uh, MC. It's like whoever came up with... Whoever came up with the bee powers clearly pay, played a lot of Bioshock and was like, "Well, you can shoot bees in this game. I'm gonna do bees in this in this book." Okay, cool. Yeah, it is a cool looking power, I suppose, but it's not yeah, all that practical. Definitely. Eh, it's fun. Everyone likes bees. I don't like bees. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, it is a pretty uh, like we're making fun, but it is a pretty good weapon. Yeah. Like if someone's chasing you and you turn around and shoot bees at them out of your <laughs> mouth, that's that's pretty impressive. You know, you release the dogs, and then the bees, and the dogs with bees in their mouths, so when they bark, <laughs> they their shoot mouth. bees at you. <laughs> okay, Homer. See, that's the, that was one of my favorite. I'm, I'm um, in my mid-40s. You guys are how old? Well, I just, um, I just turned 30. I'll be 32 right. next week. And yet, you're, you guys are in your early 30s, and if we had somebody on here who was 19, they would all get a good Simpsons reference. Everybody does. Yes. yes. Everyone gets a good Simpsons reference. That's the reference. beauty. Yes. That is the beauty of the Simpsons. We we all are uh, all these generations are combined through our early affection for the Simpsons. Absolutely. It's a very cromulent show. <laughs> it is cromulent. <laughs> I for one welcome our B overlord. 
<laughs> Don't blame me. I voted for Kodos. Uh, you watched a little movie called uh, The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Yes, The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Really cool, nifty little gimmick thriller. And I say gimmick in a good way because, you know, it's uh, it, it, 90% of the film takes place during an autopsy. And we slowly piece together what happened to this very odd corpse as two uh, doctors, as played by uh, Brian Cox and Emil Hirsch dig through this mm-hmm. corpse of a, of a a very unfortunate young woman, and we slowly come to discover very un, uh, unpleasant things about her demise. And it's creepy, it's clever, it's well shot, it's very cool. Uh, IFC is releasing it, I believe, this month? I believe it's this month, yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. I really have to see this one. Yeah. I've heard some pretty good things. And, uh, and I do love uh, Brian Cox. I'll watch him in anything. He's... Yep. He's one of my favorite uh, character actors. He's pretty great. He's great. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. always great. Love his voice. Love his voice. Oh, I know. He's Yeah, he's great. Uh, have you heard anything about this, Marcella? I have not. Um, I don't think it's been on my radar, but I, I'm writing it down. This is one I have to see. And like I, I always say, I'm a sucker for a good title, and that's a cool title. <laughs> Autopsy of Jane Doe. Well, yeah, the fun of it is that the movie is ahead of the audience for half the time, and mm-hmm. so you're really into it. And then after, after like, I don't know, there's a half an hour left, and the audience has kind of figured some stuff out that the characters haven't. And so that makes it more fun then. Uh, it's from the director, uh, when I say this title, when I say the title, you're gonna, both going to go, oh, yeah. But it's from the same director as Troll Hunter. Oh, yeah. Oh. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> hey, you predicted our reaction. <laughs> I'm good at that, because everybody <laughs> likes Troll Hunter. Everyone. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so now I do have to see this. Absolutely. All right. So uh, as where so whereas Autopsy of uh, Jane Doe has a uh, long title, let's talk about a little. Oh, movie I'm sorry, later. I was mistaken. I was I was mistaken. Uh, Autopsy of Jane Doe will be released in the in the states in December 21st. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, I'll go. go see that. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, let's talk about a little movie with a simple title, The Thing. The Thing. Oh. Oh, well, um, I was happy today because um, I think it was last week on the show, Matt, you reminded me that today, uh, uh, as we're recording this, it's Tuesday, um, mm-hmm. two humongous Scream Factory Blu-rays uh, have uh, have come out today. Came uh, out today, yes. Carrie and The Thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I ordered The Thing right away. Uh, I'll be buying Carrie soon enough. Um. Yeah, you, you you reminded me on the show last week. Hey, the, these two come out next week, and I go, "Oh, that's right." So I ordered them on Amazon. It it came to my doorstep this morning. The thing did, and I saw it right away. And and I just saw it just just now before I got on mic. And <laughs> hell yeah, you did. I love this damn movie so much. Um, I I don't know. It's 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 a classic, straight out. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's no denying it. And each time I see it. Um, uh, the reason why I know it's a classic, the reason why it's one of my favorites of all time, is like each time I see it, and, th- and this happens with other classic movies I see. Each time I see it, I see something like I hadn't seen before, and I and I get yeah. something out of it, something new. There's just so mm-hmm. much to unwrap in this movie, so much, and I I'm so happy it has a has an excellent Scream Factor release with so many special features. I can't wait to dig in. Um, I I'm just ecstatic that I have it now on Blu-ray in a, a great Blu-ray release. Um, yeah, I go ahead, Matt. I picked this up uh, last week, and I gotta tell you, this might be Scream Factory's best release yet. 
the amount of special features of bonus features on this, the amount of information uh, on this uh, double disc set is astounding. Um, I I am in constant awe of what Scream Factory does uh, with their uh, their releases. I mean, it's kind of become a thing where I just buy I'll buy something if it's on Scream Factory and. I'm very happy that I picked this one up. I I went through a bunch of the special features. I don't features. have a copy of this one yet. I have to go pick up a copy for sure. I, but got to give fair credit where it's due. I'm fairly certain that a good portion of those features are leased from the Universal release. Uh, a few uh, of them are. They, they, okay, and I'm sure they've done some new stuff because Screen Factory yeah. always does their own stuff. But yeah, in the best of both worlds, they'll port over the best material yeah. from the other from the earlier Blu-ray and then create their own goodies as well so w- yeah. what's on the disc what's okay, what i mean aside uh, from the it's got to have the, the the brilliant amazing Car- carpenter russell commentary it has that it also has a brand new commentary with uh dean cundy which is awesome great uh, he, DP, he amazing also, dp he also uh supervised the uh the new transfer uh for scream factory great. they did, they did does it have scan. the terror takes shape does it have the documentary on there Yes, it does. It has that. It has a, it has a great thirty-minute conversation between uh, John Carpenter and Mick Garris, where they're just shooting the shit for a half an hour about you know different things in the movie. Uh, and Garris asks uh, Carpenter the obvious question. He's like, "Do you know who the thing is?" And he's like, "Of course I do. I'm never telling you, but yeah, of course I know who it is." Like in the final scene, uh, there's a really cool interview with Dean Cundy. There's a really cool interview with uh, the model makers, uh, the woman who designed the alien spaceship, which is really cool. Um, they actually they go into a Dean on there at all? Sadly, no. Um, yeah. Which actually brings me to Rob Bottin. I miss Rob Bottin. He. Uh, yes. He was one of the. I talk about this with uh, my buddy. Uh, he's been on the show a couple times, uh, West Anthony, and how we both miss Rob Bottin so much. Uh, he did so much for practical effects. Um, he actually had uh, Stan Winston working on this uh, on his team as well uh, during this production, which is really cool. And then, I mean, uh, Rob Bottin was a young guy. He was what, like maybe twenty, twenty one when he made the thing. When he did yeah, all it was these, one of his uh, first big jobs. And yeah, you Which, want to talk about gore? Gore as art. That's Rob Bottin. The thing is just yeah, it is. I mean, American Werewolf in London and the Thing as are what I would consider like and then Videodrome and scanners, but like gore as true art. Uh, you know, and 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 some of the graphic violence and monster effects in the Thing turned people off. I know it turned off a lot of critics in 1982. Uh, but if you're now, you know, if you're able uh, and willing to appreciate, you know, uh, practical gore effects as somebody's art. There's the film is flawless. I mean, it's yeah. beautiful. It's ominous. And what what everybody always used to call just a nonstop gore fest, I don't agree because no, there's really a not. real <laughs> tension, suspense, paranoia mm-hmm. in these empty hallways, and guys looking at each other like they can't trust each other to walk uh-huh. walk five feet away. It's creepy, <laughs> and and it keeps escalating. The who is infected in every scene that follows. We keep getting. Oh, he was gone for five minutes. Could he be infected? Oh, wait, he was gone too. And and the audience is constantly trying to play along. Yeah, this movie, uh, I think uh, uh, our guest a couple weeks ago, Ian, was, Ian West was saying this, how uh, one of the cool bonus features on this blue is they include the TV broadcast version of the thing. Uh, clearly, Shut up. From- I didn't know that. 
Oh, oh yeah. yeah, clearly clearly ripped from an old VHS. The quality isn't that great, but it's there, and it's the full TV broadcast version. So the way that Ian puts it is, he has some friends who are averse to gore, and he said, "The Thing is one of my favorite movies. Now I can show my favorite movie to some of my friends who would never watch no. it otherwise." <laughs> no, that's like saying that's like saying, "Oh, I want to show forty year old virgin to my friends who don't like profanity." Don't, then don't watch it. Just don't watch <laughs> it. Actually, it's, part uh, of, it adds, or it's part of the show. <laughs> it, adds, uh, it adds a whole bunch of different scenes. Uh, there's narration now. Uh, it's a bizarre I'm sure that in my youth I saw... Uh, yeah, I'm sure as a kid I saw it on TV, but I don't remember any of that. That's interesting. Yeah, well, it's on the second disc of the blue. It's, uh, it's a really cool bonus feature. Uh, this might be... Yeah, like I said, this might be their best release so far they did a, a, a smashing job uh with this one they put me on the back cover and didn't send me a copy i'm upset <laughs> you should write an email to them an angry letter no 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 i'm, I'm more than i'm more than happy to uh, support that company no way yeah if they yeah, sent me one i would take it but i wouldn't just yeah. ask for it. yeah they're uh, pretty much but, uh they're, they're pretty great yeah, yeah and green factor they, they treat horror fans right Scream Factory does just listen. Anybody out there listening, go look up Scream Factory's catalog, and if they have a horror movie that you like, get it because yeah. nine out of ten, it has amazing features. The transfer is great, the audio is great, um, and and when they have glitches, they fix them. Some yes. companies don't do that. No, not at all. Uh, but yeah, I love this movie. It, currently, after watching it the other night, it might be my favorite John Carpenter. I am not sure. Yeah, it's hard. It's impossible to say because you could watch Halloween tomorrow night and go, "No, no, it's Halloween." Exactly. Yeah. I mean, for years, Halloween has been my fa- <laughs> Halloween's been my favorite uh, for years. And after watching this, I'm like, I don't know. It might have dethroned it. We'll see. I got to yeah, rewatch but then, both. Then you start to realize. Then you start to realize. Who cares? They're both great. Why yeah, does one yeah. have to be better than the other? <laughs> they are both supreme works uh, in in horror, and they're going to be hard to top ever. Either of them. Oof. Oh, I love the thing. Yeah, the thing is amazing. Yeah, it's a beautiful piece of work. It truly is. Yeah, and uh, like one more thing, like uh, I think I mentioned it, but I'm mentioning it for sure now. The the new 2K scan of it, it looks gorgeous. It's oh, it's, it's very pretty. The best I've seen it ever, and I've seen it like DVD. I've seen the previous Blu-ray. I was happy to see it on the big screen a few years ago, and yeah, it's never looked better. So I'm so happy. It's I'm ha- all it's uh, all better now. <laughs> And yeah, I want to come back in time. <laughs> I'm all better now. Let me now listen. <laughs> I love Wilfred Brimley so damn much in this yeah. movie. Uh. And on that note, we can end on Wilfred Brimley. <laughs> I think. We'll, we'll end on Let's Brimley. End, end on the, the 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 thing. If you've never seen the thing, take these guys' word for it. It will blow your mind. It will scare you. It will gross you out. You will be fascinated. And and. and you know, it's a thought-provoking story. It's not just yeah. your monster gore thrown at the screen. It's a really cool premise. Yeah, absolutely. And and it carries that paranoia throughout the whole thing. I think that's what I really grasped onto, like, uh, these last few rewatches. Just, I love the gore effects. I love all that. But, yeah, but that paranoia, that, like, you don't know what the fuck's going on. And those silent moments... Um, like one of my favorite moments in the movie actually is when the dog just walks down the hallway and he creeps in this oh that dog how yeah. great is that freaking dog it's amazing so dog pretty. acting <laughs> and he's all very acting. quiet and calm and he looks in the door before he, open, before he walks in yeah. and like 
he's already Carpenter's already done such a great job of setting up that this dog is uh, something's wrong with it that you're reading into every little move yeah. the dog makes, and he's just a well-trained dog, beautiful dog. And I wish, and my, it's, I wish my dog was uh, that well behaved. <laughs> good actor, you know. It's not often you say a dog is a good actor. That dog is a good actor <laughs> or yeah. actress. We don't know. <laughs> uh, one last thing I will say on this film: uh, I've seen it many times. This was the first time where it actually did the gore actually did make me sick to my stomach. Oh wow! Really? Gore is never. Like, yeah, that doesn't. Like it, that doesn't it's weird anything. because gore has never bothered me, but I guess. Now I don't know. A couple movies I've seen recently, I'm just like, oh, I don't, oh, I don't care for that. That's gross. That's so gross. But yeah, I to me, it's just it. the opposite. To me, when it. I when I see elaborate monster effects, I clap and I'm like, yeah, get me, give it to me. You know, like I'm I'm like cheering, like I'm watching a guy hit a home run. I'm like, yeah, let me see that monster. You know, I love it, love it. Show show me what you got, Robbo team. <laughs> yeah, show me what you got. Yeah, and it's just so it's so effective and so realistic. That, yeah, it's a little unsettling, but, you know, I'm just, like, in the realm of art, uh, just enjoying the artistry of it. Yeah. I'm just getting into it. You know, I love that. Love that. The, the hand climb, like, reaches up out of frame and, and smashes the roof. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, I think I'm going to rewatch this later tonight with one of the commentaries. That's that's my plan for tonight. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did. Yeah, have... Eddie, uh, Carpenter and Russell did commentaries as well for uh, Escape from New York and Big Trouble in Little China, and they're both great commentaries really fun like just like two old friends talking about oh yeah where do we shoot this oh how's your kids band oh yeah what did you do last night (laughs) you know just very laid back chill conversation really to like two old friends it's very cool yeah uh i i I do have to see that tv edit because that's intriguing to me it's just a a, it's wild man yeah there's there's narration it's really weird yeah oh god yeah i can't wait to dive in because i just Is is it kurt russell no it's some random just going like Antarctica, 1982. Like it's really weird. It adds like an old, like old sci-fi vibe to the whole thing. Uh, yeah, I don't think I would enjoy it enough to replace it's so it with weird. the original. But oh, I would not. like to see that. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 a weird curiosity. It's uh, something yeah. you should watch at least once. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I, I just just to repeat it again. I love Scream Factory. Uh, I, this past week, I just bought uh, another Scream Factory. Uh, disc that I wanted because I, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. I just bought Demon Knight, and I can't wait Ooh, to rewatch uh, that. Not a like I love that a certain like people about like your age, about ten yeah. years younger than me, really seem to like Demon Knight, and I've really tried to like that and Bordello of Blood, and neither of them really stick for me. But I obviously love that you know horror fans love those movies. Yeah, I I, uh, I think I think it's the same for you, Matt. Like I, I saw this as like a kid, and yeah, kind of just I saw that when I was a kid. Uh, me and my buddy uh, Pat rented that when I we were in like what third grade, fourth grade. <laughs> oh yeah, like my we were, uh, we were terrible kids. Yeah when, yeah, when I was a kid, it was Friday two and Halloween two. When you were a kid, yeah. it was uh, Demon Night. You know, no, and the Jason more goes to hell. The more they stay. <laughs> yeah, the more they stay the same. It's just the the only thing that changes are the movie titles, but the the. Uh, uh, the activities and the the coming of age and discovering yeah. the beauty of our movies that's that's always the same yeah oh man oh man i remember renting jason goes to hell and trying to explain to my mom that it's okay it's not it's not gory because it's unrated oh that means it's that means it's I a know, good thing jason, mom. <laughs> yeah it's not rated r ma it's at least it's not rated r right mom she's like yeah i guess and then she saw the scene where the guy bites into the heart and she went oh, i'm out of here <laughs> yeah uh she yeah she actually let us watch it once and then she uh put the VHS in her purse and she's like yeah you're not getting that back we're done 
<laughs> and <Young> again. <laughs> and I think we can end on there. <laughs> um yes. Scott, thank you so much for coming on. It was a great time. No, nope, very happy to do it. It was fun. So much fun. Um before we let you go, uh plugs, uh remind the folks listening where they can find you online. Uh you can find me on Twitter at Scott E. Weinberg. Uh, I, I'm found footage 3D hopefully will be out by early next year uh, and check out our podcast 80s all over fantastic do that folks Matt you thank you yes as usual you can find me on Twitter at the real Matt C you can also find me over on letterboxd under the same name to make sure I'm not lying about what movies I've been watching and you can also find me on Facebook over at facebook.com slash groups slash pixels and reels. Uh, we have some really cool horror movie polls going recently. We're doing a, uh, a uh, horror tournament where we're voting on our favorite uh, movie monsters. And uh, today uh, today's a lot of fun. We have the Xenomorph going up against the Blob. Sadly, the, the Blob is getting his uh, big gelatinous butt handed to him because you're not going to beat the Xenomorph. Is pumpkin head in there? Pumpkinhead, Pumpkin I believe, in is in the voting. Yes, yes. Good. Uh, good. We've, love, we've had some great. Love, love we've had some great matchups recently, and uh, really looking forward to uh, the next few rounds. And uh, yeah, head on over there. It's a lot of fun, folks. Fantastic. Um, as for me, follow me on my personal account at Marcel J Pico for classy tweets that may or may not contain Jessica Chastain. Um, follow <laughs> the Talk Film Society <laughs> at Talk Film Soc. Um, and listen to our podcast. Listen, I mean, I'm glad you're listening to this one. Thanks. Uh, listen to the Talk From Society podcast. Uh, listen to... Oh, uh, it's making a comeback, folks. The Hamilton podcast that I co-host with Paul Smith. Uh, we're cooking up a new episode that may involve... I know Paul Smith from Twitter. Yes. He's, he's, he's a fantastic guy. Um, <laughs> You've seen Hamilton? Jealous. Yeah. I, I He's seen Hamilton. He's the biggest fan of it. I just got into just the the soundtrack, so I, I I've been listening yeah. to that. So I I have not seen it yet. I'm gonna try maybe in the future to see it live, but as of now, like I've only. I seen really it. wish they'd release a a, a taped version because I'm not gonna be able to make it or afford to go to uh to New York City to see it. But I would love That's to see expensive. the show. <laughs> yeah, um, I it's it's something me and me and Paul talk about on on these episodes. Just they were th- were theorizing, you know, they apparently they have recorded like two uh, productions of it, you know, two two showings of it, and sometime in the future they're going to release that footage as its own thing, maybe a year or two from now. But but yeah, yeah. Um, Matt, mm. uh, you are listening to Hamilton at the moment, right? <laughs> I started listening to it, yes, for the first time, and you're going to be a guest on the show pretty soon. Yes, <laughs> and and on there you can uh, berate me for not list, for not uh, watching uh, Stranger Things as well. That's I will. Yeah, oh, that. get on that. I will get on that. I we went through the everyone loved it, and then we went through the backlash, and now I'm yep. just settling in. And I love Stranger Things. Absolutely yep. love it. Yeah, I, I I haven't seen it yet, but I will. Uh, Paul Smith is a huge fan. Matt is a huge fan, and I think it's. It's what, pretty great. It's great for spooky season, Marcelo. I don't want to announce it here because not all of it is set in stone, but expect like a podcast miniseries out of me talking Stranger Things with Paul. We'll see. I'm not making any promises at the moment, but listen to the Hamilton podcast first. Then you get details okay. on it. 
Um, the podcast where it happens. Uh, T-P-W-I-H on Twitter. The podcast where it happens. Cool. That's it. That's that's it. My plugs are done. Um, Scott, thanks again. Yep, thanks again, guys. Had a good time. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. It was a fun time. Happy to. Uh, Matt, now it's time for our signature catchphrase. So long, and thanks for all the fish. Thanks for listening, folks, and keep on watching. Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah.